I think one of the, the commonalities that, that was interesting was the fact that investment banking, you are essentially trained to be very curious intellectually, figuring out financial statements, figuring out what the accounting looks like, figuring out how to find out what's going on in the company's books. Like there's a lot of things. And of course, industry-wide, you, you're not necessarily focused on one industry, so you learn about everything. Would that be when I was in working about media companies, learning about movie theater companies, learning about you know companies that do aggregates and concrete distribution and creations. Hi there, welcome to the Business Side of Fitness podcast. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, I leverage my two decades of experience in the fitness and wellness industry to have meaningful conversations with the movers and shakers behind some of the most well-known and innovative brands in our industry. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano, LLC. To find out more about working with me, click the link in the show notes. And now the time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story and it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Josh Ryder. He's the chief revenue officer for UFIT Gyms. Prior to his current role, he held executive leadership positions at the International Sports Sciences Association, Solid Core, and Gold's Gym International. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, Beth. Great to be here. Well, let's kick things off with you just sharing a bit about your journey and what ultimately led you to becoming the CRO for UFIT. Yeah. How far do you want me to go back? Take us all the way back. All right. So I, I was in the Marine Corps after college. I was a communications officer. I was in that for seven years. And decided that I wanted to get out. And so I did a career switch move, which was go to business school. So I went to business school at MIT, went to investment banking out of there into New York. I was in Manhattan for a couple of years. And then my family moved down to Dallas. It was closer to my wife's parents and my parents. And so Dallas made the most sense geographically. And after having our first child, our first our daughter, we decided that, or I decided that work-life balance was a, an opportunity to uh, focus on, and investment banking wasn't exactly there for that. And so I looked at other opportunities, came across Gold's Gym. Brandon Bean was was the incoming CEO at that point, and he, I reached out to him as a MIT alum, ahead of me about ten years, and. The rest is history at Gold. I joined that that uh, that company in 2016. Worked with them for three years. Kind of started doing revenue management. Worked my way up and focused on corporate strategy, B2B management, B2B sales. Kind of led a lot of different, whether it be technology implementations or pricing implementations. Worked hand in hand with marketing there, and then from there I was able to. I kind of got an offer out of the blue to go work at SolidCore as a chief revenue officer there. Ran marketing pricing, uh, made a lot of interesting, obviously, connections in the boutique space. And that was a unique opportunity uh, at the time, given the fact that they were kind of on a rocket ship in beginning of end of 2019 and heading into 2020. As we know, what happened into the fitness industry in March of 2020, I was about six months after I moved my family to DC. And so from there, we obviously created a digital offering 
and did solid core at home and then slowly but surely opened up all the studios in 2020. And that's when I made the decision that I needed to get back closer to, to family. My daughter was of kindergarten age. So I wanted to get back to a, a school system that we moved to originally when I was, when, when we lived in Plano, Texas, when I was at Golds. So moved back to Plano and made a career switch to International Sports Science Association. I headed up revenue and strategy for about six months there. Uh, when out of the blue again, you uh, fit gyms. The, the CEO Brian and I had worked together at Solidcore. He was the CFO and I was a CRO. He reached out and asked if I was interested in, in coming over here and helping run revenue. And here I am. So uh, I started here in November, and we actually saw each other at Ursa, which is kind of what started the conversation. And uh, started in November, November November fifteenth, twenty twenty one, and been here now for almost three months. And excited to be here and figure out, you know, how to best support three brands and get people back into our gyms as all of our fitness operators across the across the U.S. and globally are figuring out how we get people back into gyms, as well as provide them with a better fitness solution than they had before. Wow, lots there. How was the transition from banking into fitness? Were there any commonalities between the two worlds or was this something completely new to you? I think one of the commonalities that, that was interesting was the fact that investment banking, you are essentially trained to be very curious intellectually, figuring out financial statements, figuring out what the accounting looks like, figuring out how to, how to, uh, how to find out what's going on in the company's books. Like there's a lot of things. And of course, industry-wide, you, you're not necessarily focused on one industry. So you learn about everything. Would that be when I was in working about media companies, learning about movie theater companies, learning about you know, companies that do aggregates and concrete distribution and creation. So it was a, it was a broad range of, of industries and companies I was exposed to, which kind of lends itself to you asking lots of questions. And coming into at gold, that was kind of one of the things that led me to probably have a little bit more success with respect to moving up there because I was never one to shy away from asking a question. So I would show up in somebody's office and just start asking questions about billing or start asking questions about marketing or start asking questions about inter- information technology within gold and how we were executing Wi-Fi in the gyms. And so all that led to, you know, kind of the opportunities that, that I had there to come up with a new sales process, come lead the kind of internet lead generation team that called you within five minutes of asking to be a lead on the web. So it was more about just being able to ask the right questions and ask questions to get to the root answer. And of course, all the analytics that come with banking lended itself very well to revenue and marketing and understanding the data behind what was happening within the gyms and also from a pricing standpoint, understanding how, how pricing would impact the economics of, of the business. So what attracted you to all of these different roles? Was it the actual job description and what you would be doing in the day and then the day out? Was it the brand? Was it the relationships? You mentioned that you had some previous relationships. Like what was it that brought you to all these different brands? Yeah, I think each one had a unique offering at, at the time. Golds at the time was an opportunity to, you know, join the, 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 the at the time the, the best brand in fitness, right? And continue to try to grow that brand. Solid Core, it was an opportunity to join a, a boutique fitness where we had tried to 
explore boutique fitness within the walls at Gold's, right? This was an opportunity to really focus on boutique fitness on an operator level and just that, just that brand itself. And like I said, they were on a rocket ship and opening tons of studios. So there was more about growth and opportunity and obviously the, the opportunity to work with, with Ann Mellon, who was the founder there and you help them figure out how to grow even better and faster than they were, were growing. With ISSA, it was an opportunity They they had the, you know, they were obviously on an old, they have an old marketing technology platform today and they're working on upgrading that. Uh, but one of the opportunities there was really helping the sales team and figuring out, again, looking at the analytics, looking at the data, looking at the performance of the individual salespeople and figuring out what is going to make them sell better and more effectively. And so coming up with a new team structure there, that was exciting and interesting. And then with UFIT, it was really about coming in and having an opportunity to help a, a, a company that's been around for a while, but a brand that's been around for, you know, at the time, less than a month when I joined, right? And an opportunity to help tell the story of why UFIT Gems is kind of the gem for you and how we can take a $10 gem and provide a lot more value than what people are typically used to in a $10 gem and not continue ignoring the kind of the basics. The nutrition thing was really interesting to me when I, when I obviously that was a partnership that started before I got here, but one that I helped launch in January across the company. Uh, and again, it's something that fitness has shied away from it because we don't have registered dietitians in, in our gyms. And so it's been one that we haven't necessarily embraced, but now we have the opportunity to be loud and proud about the fact that we have this, this tool, this AI app that Eat Love provides that allows you to recipes, ingredients. So it was, it was a combination of the ability to help this brand re figure out how to, to take their way out into the future and help rebuild, you know, fitness in the U S. How did you fit arrive at the conclusion that nutrition was the missing link that needed to be added to the service that you're already providing? Like, what was it? I mean, obviously all of us know that, Hey, fitness, nutrition, recovery, those are like the key components, right? Sleep hygiene, mental hygiene, these are all things, right? But we kind of keep these things in silos. And so what was the tipping point at UFIT where you're like, okay, now it's the right time to implement this nutrition aspect? Yeah, I think it was truly the differentiation that it provides UFIT as, as a brand, right? I mean, there's you can have... A recommendation on supplements. You can have recommendation on, you know, your your trainers can go through and recommend a meal plan or some sort of macro count. But there's no real solution out there that provides you kind of an AI-driven approach to meal planning ingredients and then put them in a cart and order order from Instacart. So I think it was just the ability to provide our members with like a first-class nutrition offering, but as well, you know, and recognize the fact that nutrition is so important to fitness. If you don't have new, if you don't have nutrition figured out, but you're working out ton, then you're probably still going to really struggle to kind of achieve the fitness goals you want. And so again, it was just really providing a, a full package of solutions to our members that we hadn't provided before. And then we didn't feel it was provided in the industry. Right. And so why was a partnership with an already existing brand, the solution, as opposed to creating or developing this yourselves? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to creating your own solutions, it's so much harder to do that right. 
and typically a lot more expensive to do that in-house than it is to find a somebody else who's out there already creating that solution themselves and working with Mooney Can Eat Love is obviously, a, you know, she's engrossed in this on a daily basis and has been so for, for some time. And so working with somebody who is passionate about it, just as we are, but also has put in put in the work and has an offering to kind of go from step one. I think one of the things we wanted to go was you know, speed the market after after rebrand. We wanted to be able to rebrand and have this come very quickly. Uh, and it's always harder to kind of have that have be built from scratch and have that as quickly as we had the eLove partnership. So that was kind of one of the reasons of speed the market. You know, there was something out there that was the, the the solution we wanted, and that was that made the most sense for us at the time. Well, I have to commend you because I think that a lot of businesses make the mistake of wanting everything to be quote unquote proprietary, right? Like this is our secret sauce. But when it's kind of, you know, outside of what you're really an expert at on the day in and day out, things can get kind of dicey because it's all about the execution, right? And if that's not what you're used to executing, you you know, there's no guarantees that that's going to be well received or, or put together in the right way. And so I'd love to learn a little bit more about the rebrand, Josh, like what does the rebrand entail and why is this, you know, why are you three months into it now? Why is this the right time? Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously it took a little bit of time through COVID and obviously you fit went through a bankruptcy. It started in the end of 2020 and finalized and finished in April or March, April, 2021. That's when Brian came on board as the CEO. And so, you know, they were prepping on doing this uh, for the six months prior to October, right? And I think it just took time to figure out what was going to be the right name, what was going to be the right branding, how they were going to implement this in gyms. And so really it was more about that timing just happened to be October 25th as opposed to earlier. But I think, you know, the rebrand was important given the fact that we had had to close gyms we had we had opened previous to COVID, you know, we were we went from 120 down to 80 now. So I think it was really about um, capturing not only the UFIT name going forward, but also rephrasing it and providing a solution that we hadn't before. Right? I think we had been a relatively bare bones solution uh, with you know limited dumbbells, primarily cardio, rent a treadmill type of scenario, and we wanted to come out uh, and provide a a UFIT gyms rebranded from a UFIT health clubs, right? Health clubs is a little bit somewhat outdated. Wanted to have a refreshed view on what the brand name was, but also recognize the roots that we came from and growing as UFIT health clubs into UFIT gyms. Got it. And so how would you compare driving revenue from, you know, for a premium priced product versus a low cost product? Because you've been on both sides. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think when I when I went to SolidCore, it was a unique opportunity to try to figure out how to drive more revenue per client. And these clients are paying, you know, hundreds of dollars a month than compared to your your typical gym member who's paying of the gold, you know, on average of you know thirty to thirty five dollars a month. When you look at all of our members, and then of course now to UFIT, where we're paying, you know, members are paying anywhere from you know twenty to twenty five dollars depending on what membership they join on. So I think it's, I'm still figuring out how that will, you know, is, is best approached here. But obviously when you think about um, volume, that's what you're going after in the gym world and in, a, in the boutique fitness side of the house, when you're really focused on providing an amazing community, amazing, amazing experience, 
and you're limited to 10 to 15 machines in a small studio, you're focused on filling that class, but you don't need the volume, right? So how do you make your advertisement and your marketing specific to getting that right person in the studio and then retaining them? I think the the opportunity on the boutique side was figuring out, okay, we, we can get people to come in and test us, take a two two class pack, pay us, you know, thirty to forty dollars, depending upon the market, to come and take two classes, but fifty percent of them weren't taking a second class. And so really it's about retaining those folks uh, into the second class and getting them on membership. And so some of the things we tested there was were um, week, weekly packages that allowed them to try for seven days as opposed to a two a two pack. And they, that com- they completed that at a much greater percentage than, they had, than the two packs. But I think it's more about, you know, again, providing the, the experience and ex- explaining, you know, when you go into a gym, typically people have an idea that they know what they're looking for, they know what to do. And so you're really appealing to the masses and trying to make sure that if, if somebody does need help, that you're there for that with personal training. On the boutique side, people really come to you because they, they want to be told exactly what to do in fitness, whether that be going to a treadmill focused boutique fitness experience or a Pilates experience, right? They want to be coached and they want to be trained and they want to leave with an amazing experience. And so it's really about optimizing your pricing to make sure that you're providing that. And a lot of that comes in the coach, right? And providing the, you know, that the pricing is important, but so much more important is the community aspect, the coach and the experience they have leaving the studio. And so capturing all of that in marketing and advertising and making sure they're coming back is, is really the more challenging point. And the, you know, in the gym world, it's just getting people through the door and getting them to buy a membership and making sure that you understand when you spike volume through pricing conversations, right? It's less about, it's, you, don't need, you don't need to be as promotional on the boutique side, but as as you are on the on the membership side in the gym world, because it's so more it's, it's a lot more competitive when it comes to driving people to through the doors, whether that be a mid market player or an HVLP player like you fit gym. So something I always find interesting is that for a lot of boutique studios, they don't necessarily have salespeople, right? They sell their memberships online and it there isn't necessarily a sales process the way that there is in a traditional gym. So I just love to hear, you know, how you run your sales team at UFIT and why you run that process. Yeah. And so obviously I'm still less than three months in. So haven't spent a ton of time on that on the, the sales team side. But obviously, you know, it's very different. You know, it's we use Salesforce as our kind of CRM platform. And you know, leads come in and the team has tasks to fulfill and the GM is prime is the primary salesperson along with the front desk team. I think what's what's unique about UFIT, and I'll compare that to my time at Gold, is you know, at Gold, we spent so much more time training on explaining the value of what the experience was at Gold's coming in and it's you know, the brand, the heritage, the additional amenities you get at a Gold's and UFIT, it's really all about you know, getting them in the door. And for the most part, we're closing at a significantly higher rate than we were at Gold's because at Gold's, you're walking into a $40 membership. It's a lot harder to get somebody to give you $40 a month than it is somebody to give you 10 to 24. And now our highest membership is 40, but that comes with so much more value than, than the previous memberships did with the Eat Love component and UFIT on demand. 
and in some studio, in some gyms, our Hit Plus offering that we're rolling out in Q1 and Q2. So I think it's really about capturing the person's attention, making sure that we highlight areas where we are we are investing, right? So the rebrand wasn't just changing our name, right? It's rebranding, it's repainting, it's new equipment, it's adding platforms, it's adding turf, it's adding rigs, all the things that come with somebody who is really focused on fitness and not just coming in and renting a treadmill. And so that's, you know, once we get people in the gym, that is the opportunity we have to close them. And we're doing a really great job of that. So one of the, one of the opportunities, I guess, uh, for us is just driving more leads in and getting more, more eyeballs. And I think, you know, part of the reason why we wanted to rebrand going back to the previous question was, we, we needed to expand the consideration set that we're looking at you fit gyms as the old versus the new, right? And so before you kind of came in and you saw purple, green and equipment and you saw a, a uh, equipment that you could do circuits on, but not necessarily like functional fitness, you know, no, no platforms, no turf. And so a lot of, a lot of it is getting people in the door, explaining the value they're getting for their dollar now, and then selling them to that. Right. And so, now the opportunity is more about how we do a better job of closing on higher level memberships and explaining the love process, which I'm really happy to see. We've done a really great job. Now we're, we're, we're selling, you know, almost eight to 9% of our members coming in and buying the offering that includes eat love and you fit on demand and hit plus because of all the work that, you know, the sales team does to build value and all the work we've done on the rebranding side. That makes a lot of sense. And so, do you think the sales consu- you know the sales process and the consumer has changed over the last few years because i feel like the expectations of fitness consumers are just so different than they were in you know before the pandemic and so how has that shifted yeah i think it's you know it's interesting to because you know you can see different pricing models changing in the mid-tier space people are changing their pricing and changing their methodology and before, you know, even when I was a gold, that was, that was never going to happen because once you do that, you kind of start to really impact your existing member base and they start to downgrade and you start to impact your dues line. And so really we are at the, we have the opportunity to capitalize on the fact that that's where we, that's who we are. That's who we've been from a pricing standpoint. And now we're just adding in and layering in the value that comes with, with that price point. And I think so things have changed, right? People are looking at it as, you know, how are you potentially augmenting your existing workout with your at-home bike or your at-home experience, like whether you are a digital subscriber to one of the many out there, right? That you can do something on your television, something with your phone, something. And I'm sure people, you know, there's a reason that there was a backlog of dumbbells and equipment in March, April, May of 2020, because people were just like, I need the place to work out. How am I going to get this equipment in my house? So it's really about providing them the op- options of having a great place to work out with the great equipment, but also if they can't work out, how can you provide that service to them? Which is why so many people went the digital route and providing that as a like kind of stopgap solution to somebody who can't make it into the gym because so many people, I mean, including ourselves, I used to the fact that I can just go downstairs and get a workout in as opposed to having to go to the gym and I don't have to commute anymore. And so it's changed the way people are commuting, people are, are working is now, now the opportunity from a gym standpoint, isn't just thinking about drive time and thinking about, you know, being near a workplace because 
a lot of places that are near a downtown area probably are impacted substantially because that traffic's not there anymore. It's a lot less than it used to be. And so it's really about providing more value. What's your network of gyms look like? And, you know, it's one of the benefits and the powers that we have in Florida is we have such a good footprint there that it doesn't matter where you work or you, where you live, we have a gym near you. So something I'm interested in in learning about is your consumers that you had previously, right? They signed up under this different brand, under this potentially different premise, right? And so when you introduced this nutrition offering and this partnership, did was that well-received by those existing members? Was that something that they were looking for? Or is that something that's now attracting a new kind of clientele for you, Fit? I think it's a little too early to tell um, if it's attracting new. I, I mean, obviously, it's definitely appealing to the old. And I think that we're going to have opportunities to expand the, you know, the knowledge base of our members. I think, I mean, frankly, as you know, them, you know a lot of members come in the gym, they come in, they do their routine, they leave. And they become sign blind and email blind to what you're trying to communicate to them. And so there, we're, we're going through kind of practices now to figure out how we can explain all the things we're offering now that they didn't have before. And so, you know, that's, that's a learning curve, frankly. And we haven't, we haven't gotten to where we need to be on that front. I think that once people realize what we do have, they're going to be excited about it. I mean, even some of the anecdotal stuff that I've, I've gotten from, from Eat Love, speaking with Monique on a, on a weekly basis is, you know, the webinars that we're doing are attracting a lot of, you know, some people that don't know about Eat Love and don't know that we, we have this offering and so that what that tells me is that we we need to do a better job of communicating to our members what we've done and what we've invested in, and so that they can actually you know if they, if they see the need to do something that is nutrition or they feel frustrated because they're not getting the results they need, now we have this, this additional tool that they can use uh, to their advantage. Right. It'll be really interesting to see like the adherence too, right? Because this is you are going after like the mass market, right? This, this is like America. These are the people that, you know, we're trying to penetrate and trying to get through to that. I think the fitness industry, you know, as at large, we really haven't done a great job of serving this population. And really, you know, I feel like we keep going after that same, like, Hey, count your macros dial in. The average person doesn't want to do that. Right. The average person isn't looking to get shredded for summer. They're looking to just like, wear their jeans that they wore like last year. Right. <laughs> and so this is really interesting. And, and do you see a difference between utilization and, and retention between a high priced model and versus a value-based model? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, again, that's something that we're learning, right? I think, you know, at, at UFIT, we've always had the, we've always had a really explosive consistent retention rate pre COVID. And so now that we're in this new environment and we are selling a different level of membership, you know, at Gold, we experienced a higher attrition rate with a higher dollar, obviously, when we were selling, a, you know, a boutique fitness gym within a gym at $100 a month, we, we experienced a higher, higher attrition rate on that membership than we did our $40 membership because you have to continue to deliver the value, right? And so that's, I think, what excites me about the, you know, the additional value that we're providing in that. $40 membership at, at, at UFIT is they, they have this tool that will allow them to maximize their time in the gym because they can, they're eating right. And they're feeling better. Right. I mean, I'm sure that I'm not alone by saying like, when I'm eating right, I'm 
for some reason mentally switched on to like go work out more often and vice versa, right? If I'm like, I need to get back on that workout train that I'm more inclined to be more focused on my nutrition. So I think my, you know, my thesis is that, you know, the higher we can get the engagements on our premium plus membership, which is that 39.99 membership, if we can make sure that we're maximizing you know, Vanessa joined on that membership and she activated Eat Love, I have a really good thought, really good feeling that you're going to keep your membership at UFIT because now not only are we providing you with a treadmill if you need it or a rig if you need it or turf or classes and the ability to bring friends to UFIT, but you also have the ability to or do work at a home with UFIT on demand or do your shopping on Eat Love and send your recipe list and your ingredient list to Instacart and have it delivered to your house and not have to worry about doing all the macro counting, right? I mean, like, I'm sure that all of us at some point in time, if we're in the fitness industry, you've been where you were like, oh, you're logging your food. And you're like, how many are looking at ingredient labels and stuff? And Eat Love does it all for you, which makes it so much easier, right? No one's, I mean, not everybody is trying to get down to less than 10% body fat, but, you know, they're trying to, to get back to a reasonable weight and frankly, be healthy, right? I mean, I think, the other pandemic that people aren't talking about as much as probably they should is the fact that, you know, we do have an obesity issue in America and anything we can do as a fitness community to attack, to help Americans fight that, the, the better they'll be, right? Obesity has all kinds of issues. And you know, there's a lot of articles now about how there's an impact on obesity and COVID, right? And so how, how else can we help America fight, you know, obesity at the pandemic as well as, you know, just additional things like heart disease that lead itself to that as well. So again, I think it's about providing a full solution, which I'm super excited about as, as having a very positive effect on our retention. Well, amen. Cause I think the biggest thing is we have to make it one accessible too simple, right? <laughs> and so you're able to do that because you're keeping the price point, you know, affordable where people can access this information. I think, um, you know, also by not overwhelming people with information, it's like, we don't need more apps and gizmos and gadgets that are telling people how many calories they're burning and this and that. Most people have no idea how many calories they should burn, have no idea how many calories they should take in, have no idea what a serving size is. And when we keep things simple, then we're really able to have adherence and that's how we're going to make an impact. So I really applaud what you and you fit are doing because that's how we're really going to attack these problems like obesity. You know, when we overwhelm people with all this detail and we get so micro with like their sleep cycles and it's like, it's so like, crazy that people don't even, you know, then people get stuck in analysis paralysis and they just don't do anything because they're just like, well, if I'm not going to wear five fitness trackers and track everything that I do, then I'm not going to, you know, make a change. And so it's just not worth it. Yeah. Sorry. I just went on a little rant there, but I just got, you know, it's like, (laughs) how are you going to make this change people? So Josh, if somebody wants to connect with you or they want to learn more about UFIT gyms, how can they do that? Yeah, just head over to UFIT.com. We are doing a, a lead-focused offer right now where if you come into the gym anytime between now and the 22nd of February, you get entered to win $22,000. You know, Again, we're putting our money where our mouth is. We really want people to come in and see what we've done to our to our gyms and see that we're Standing behind, you know, our rebrand with new equipment and 
a new feeling and a new community to really bring people in and provide them with what they need to be successful going forward within fitness. And me personally, I'm obviously on LinkedIn. You can find me, Josh Ryder, and uh, in Instagram, I am Joe underscore underscore Ryder, R-I-D-A, Joe Ryder. So I'm there. Don't have many followers, so you want to click a follow, it'd be great. <laughs> Mostly kids, kids and suburban life photos there. <laughs> I'm here for it. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If it brought you value, please subscribe, review, and share the Business Side of Fitness podcast. If you'd like to learn more about working with me, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.